Hello and welcome to another IC Boardroom Talk. I'm Jonas Crosland and I cover all things property related and I'm delighted to be joined today by Harry Hyman who's Chief Executive of Primary Health Properties. Welcome Harry. Hello. As a leading provider of purpose-built primary health care centres, you'll probably know better than anyone what a big task it's going to be dragging our National Health Service into the 21st century. And you've obviously made a start, but um, there's plenty of room for expansion there. There certainly is. We estimated as a group of companies operating in the space that there's a requirement for over a 1,000 new hub medical centres, replacing what many people from 25 or 30 years ago regarded as their doctor's surgery, which was a converted house, an office or shop, which simply isn't large enough and is not fit for purpose for today's 21st century healthcare system. Taking a average cost of something like £5 million a centre, that would work out at a capital requirement of five to £6 billion. And the private sector is ready to play its part, as is primary health properties, in modernising the estate. To put it into context, at PHP we own just under 300 medical centres across the UK, with a capital value of just over one and a quarter billion. But we only serve, through our centres, 3 million of the British population. So that's about 5% of the total market. So there's a huge job of work to be done. And parts of this have been picked up by Simon Stevens in his five-year forward view, and now more recently in his five-year update, when they see an essential part of modernising the health services moving um, quite large aspects of care out of inflexible and costly hospital structures into more locally accessible primary care centres, which can take advantage of changes in technology, which will enable the ageing population and the growing population to be dealt with closer to where they live, rather than um, forcing them to make a long journey to a central hospital. And it's strange because I know funding's always a problem, but a, a visit to the hospital is significantly more expensive than to a primary health care centre. Yeah, clearly you have to compare apples with apples, but a large number of people that are forced to present to A&E centres because their local GP centre isn't open or isn't operating extended hours um, will clog up the system, will take longer to be seen, and there's a greater propensity to admit people who attend an A&E centre than there is for someone attending what you might call an ambulatory care centre. And this is in part a reaction to uh, the cost agenda, because clearly dealing with an ageing and growing population puts increasing strain on NHS finances. But it's also a response to technology changes and something that's seen in healthcare systems all over the world, be it in America, in Ireland, the UK or other European nations. Um, We can take advantage of digitalization of health records, the miniaturization of many techniques and processes and co-locate diagnostics in health centres rather than force the population to go to A&E for what are relatively minor complaints. And putting out-of-hours centres um, into GP clinics is one approach to these solutions, not the only approach, because recently the NHS has been trialling putting GPs into A&E centres to carry out a, t- a triage of people who attend. But having larger, more accessible, uh, more diverse services delivered in a hub medical centre is certainly one way forward that many of the strategic transformation plans, 44 of which have been written covering the UK, um, suggest as a meaningfully economic alternative for the health system in the 21st century. Mm. Now, your revenue stream is extremely safe because effectively the, the, the Treasury pays the rent. 
That is correct. Since the beginning of the NHS, GPs, who are technically independent contractors, have had their rent reimbursed to them. And at the current time, just over 90% of our entire rent roll as a business comes directly or indirectly from the government through GPs having their rent reimbursed or alternatively with the NHS themselves being a tenant. And the balance of our rent roll, the 9%, is actually from pharmacies and co-locating a pharmacy next to an existing medical centre is a very good business proposition for the pharmacy and a very good proposition for the patient because it enables them to collect their script as they exit the surgery and many of them can visit the pharmacy as, as an essential part of the primary care team in order to reduce the demand on the doctors themselves. Many of the rents are index linked. What about the others? About 25% of our portfolio is either index linked or fixed. And clearly with the rising, the prospect of rising inflation later this year, that's good for that part of the rent rolls growth prospects. The balance of the rent roll, some uh, 80%, 75% rather, um, is what is on what's called open market value adjustments. And these are determined by negotiation with the district valuers office, which is a branch of uh, HMRC. There is a system of appeal, uh, and these are kind of set at an open market um, value. It's quite difficult to say what an open market value is for a medical centre, but it kind of equates to secondary or tertiary office space with a proper system of appeal that was brought in a number of years ago. And we, together with our peers in the industry, believe that the prospect for rental growth is beginning to turn. We've had three or four years of quite subdued rental growth on the OMV side of the portfolio, but as inflation kicks in, as replacement cost of the building goes up and as new buildings commissioned by the STPs begin to take shape, then we see all these as positive drivers for likely rental growth over the next three to five years. Now, the, the business model looks to be portable because you're, you're now operating in the Republic of Ireland. Indeed it is. Ireland faces a number of similar challenges to Britain, obviously in a different context. It too has a growing population, it too has an ageing population, and it too has a sicker population with a greater incidence of diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and respiratory diseases. Because in Ireland GPs have never had their rent reimbursed to them, like in the UK, there's been a real paucity of investment in primary care infrastructure. The Irish government have tackled that by commissioning a series of 100 new primary care centres all over Ireland, uh, and on a portion of that, typically 75 to 80 percent, the HSE, which is the Irish NHS, takes a direct lease on a 20 or 25 year basis index linked. And we believe that forms an excellent anchor tenant for the medical centre investments. And we're pleased to say that we've taken on board two centres. The first was a completed building in Tipperary. And we recently announced the acquisition of a site in Carrigaline, which is being developed into a medical centre, which will be um, delivered uh, in the second half of this year. And we're working on a good portfolio of um, pipeline in the Republic, as well as obviously in the UK, which continues to be our core market. We set ourselves a limit of 10% of the gross assets of the business. So that would see us getting to 150 million uh, in sterling, somewhat higher in euros, uh, over the course of the next two, two to three years. And then people say, well, what about the currency risk? Well, we tackle that by borrowing effectively um, in euros in order to finance the acquisition of those assets. So again, we think there's a very secure, stable income stream to be acquired as part of our overall portfolio. Harry, thanks for coming in today and talking to us. Thank you very much. Thank you.